Board Gaming with Education, a podcast for anyone curious about how games and education mix. We explore various topics like game-based learning, gamification, and board games, and the impacts they have on learning. Here's your host, Dustin Stats. What is up, BGE Tabletop community? Today, I talk with Prisha from India, and we talk about her experience running a board game cafe, and I share some insights about using educational programming at that cafe too. Before we get into that topic, I do wanna share a couple quick updates with you. Be sure you are subscribed to our Instagram and TikTok. I'll leave some links below. And also, we're gonna be at the Northridge Mall in the Los Angeles area. So if you're in LA, come stop by, come say hi. We'll be there all of November, all of December, and likely part of January. And I mentioned our Instagram and our TikTok because We'll have some special things on those social media channels coming soon as we get ready to open at the mall in November. So let's get into that conversation. All right, so I'm here with Prisha and she is in India. So I'm excited to chat and she runs a board game cafe in India. Would you mind just sharing a little bit about the cafe and then we'll talk about uh, what we're talking about for today. Hello to all the beautiful board gamers and educators out there. I'm Prisha from India. We run a small board gaming cafe in Mumbai by the name of Kingdom of Board Games. Uh, we have been around uh, past two years. Uh, so we, me and my husband, we got into this hobby around four or five years back. And then we had a small collection and then our friends and our cousins would get really excited, uh, you know, when they joined us for playing these modern board games. So, I mean, slowly and gradually, we thought it would be a cool idea to open up our collection for general public. And that's how this dream project came to life. Awesome. So, yeah. Cool. Board yeah. gaming culture is quite new in India, but then I'm happy that, you know, uh, I'm witnessing how this culture is slowly growing and you know how more and more people are getting to know about this so it's amazing that's really cool yeah i i don't like i was mentioning i'm not familiar with india very very much i don't know a lot about it um i know like i said i know a couple of the cities and a little bit about the geography but um i've lived in china and other parts of asia and taiwan and south korea and it's really interesting to see the board game culture in different places i mean even different culture within the u.s like I feel like, I don't know, I've, at least in my experience, I feel like board games are really big in Texas. Um, maybe it's just like the they have some really big stores there and it feels bigger. Um, but yeah, and, and just from my experience as far as like running the store, I get a lot of board game orders from Florida, which is interesting. So, oh yeah. I mean, we get some from California too, of course, but yeah, Florida's kind of been, I think maybe the most popular state I've shipped board games to. Um, but, uh, we're going to talk about your board game cafe and we're going to talk about this kind of from a educational angle, but there'll be some like, I guess, business talk sprinkled in since we're talking about running educational programming at your board game cafe. Um, and you, mm -hmm. I asked you some questions and you kind of followed up and I'm kind of share those with everyone. So we have some context and then maybe you can fill in any gaps that I, I leave out. So mm -hmm. You mentioned that 99% of your customers know board games like Monopoly, Scrabble, Chess, Life, the classic ones. Um, yeah. But modern ones aren't a very, very new thing. 99%, that's a high number, I think. Um, and in the U.S., I would say it's probably like 80%. I think it's... it's oh, is it? Yeah, it's. I think people are becoming more familiar with modern board games, especially because of like games that that are very popular... I want to say IPs that are creating different board games like uh, Exploding Kittens was a big one and that's kind of a newer style game. Um, yeah. Yeah. Cards Against Humanity. I don't really like that game, but it's it's one that, that a lot of people are familiar with. Um, there's other like party style games that are kind of more popular too. Popular Take it too, correct. So I'll tell you what. Uh, I mean, uh, I stay in suburban, uh, suburb of Mumbai. So 
there this concept is completely new mm. but as we as i move towards the main city like in mumbai there this percentage would be different and uh, when i move to south india you know there a lot of people have played heavy uh, style games or okay. they are familiar with a lot of uh, euro style games modern games but in my region where my cafe is situated this concept is very new that's why 99% uh the best part is that when they come in and then they you know i mean we usually give a small demo of 10 15 minutes maybe uh we play a game something like skull or maybe we tell them to spend an hour and play splendor and then we can see that you know their perception and then idea about board games changed completely so we struggled a lot initially thinking because you know i mean when we opened our cafe the biggest challenge was that people thought this concept is only for kids i mean games are just for kids you know mm, yeah. but then now the acceptance is increasing so i was going to ask too i forgot i wanted to write this down oh um so as far as your customers how do they learn about the cafe so you mentioned like a lot of them don't know about these games how do they stumble upon your cafe so uh, i would say that initially most of our customers they were just walk in inquiries so they are passing by and then they uh, suddenly see oh this is something new i mean we have never seen this before so mm. can you tell us what is it about so you know when you say games what all games is it like betting games is it like uh, card games or what sort of games or do you uh, do you teach chess i mean we got a lot of inquiries saying that do you teach chess or things like that i said no apart from chess there are a lot of games which you need mm. to explore so yeah so those were walk in inquiries after that when you know some of the people i mean who liked playing and then they uh, came in two three times then till date the majority of our customers have come through word of mouth publicity okay. So, yeah. Cool. Yeah, I think um um it's interesting. What what was the name? It's Kingdom of Games. Is that the name of it? Right? Kingdom of Board Games. Kingdom of Board Games. Okay. Yeah, yeah. it's it's interesting. I've been calling around looking for a place for our brick and mortar store and one really interesting conversation with one owner. They thought we were looking for a store to play like poker, like gambling games. Like no no no. Cuz it's tough. I I always go back and forth about using tabletop games as marketing or using board games because board games. Yeah, 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 people know what board games are, but technically what we do are more tabletop games and then if you are familiar with those terms then you know it's it's more than just like chess, monopoly, like those True. games. So it's yeah, it's oh man, it's a challenge. Um all right. And then I have here two your customers are between 14 and 35 and some are 17 to or 7 to 13 um you were trying to change the myth we were talking about this before is that games are board games are for kids right um yeah what uh, so how do you, what game maybe what game do you use to kind of share with adults initially you said skull and splendor are those kind of the go-to ones that you share to show like hey this is more than just a kids game or these are more than just kids so, games so initially uh, when i when when we had just opened we used to give a small demo of skull but then with time we realized that okay we need to uh, you know tell our audience that when you are indulging there it's it's not just about uh, you know playing 15 20 minute party style game mm. so we started uh, you know taking up splendor king domino as their first game so i think these two are a great uh, you know first time games because they are planning and then they know that it's not that easy it's not just bluffing or party so splendor and king domino top our charts for the first time games okay Yeah, I think um I've been trying to think of how to do this as well because we're doing pop-ups and like what game can I introduce so players can play just a round and get a feel of the game? Um I think King Domino would be cool. Um King Domino Splendor. I it's been so long since I played Splendor. I know that you have to pick up cards and then you get diamonds to acquire cards. 
I don't know if you could do that as a yeah. round. You might have to like really play a few rounds to get the feel of that game. Yes. Um, yes, yes. You need to spend good uh, 15, 20 minutes for like creating that chain. I mean, since it is a deck building game. Yeah. Building game. And that's where the satisfaction comes with those games is like getting everything yes. you need to acquire that card. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Cool. So, um, and then we talked about just education in India and it's pretty traditional. And I would say like in the U S it's similar where I think there's kind of a battle between the traditional like testing. And that's, that's how we're set up. We're set up for students should be meeting these standards and progressing forward based on these standards and these testing outcomes where there's also a push for, well, uh, school should be a little bit more than just tests. Right. Um, I think True. I think this last year, even more so, we realized, I think a lot of schools and, I mean, teachers, a lot of teachers have always known this, that there's more than just teaching to the test. But I think, um, I think it's kind of been pushed more towards, like, social-emotional learning is an important part of, like, a child's education and learning soft skills that aren't necessarily, like, things that you can teach in a class. Um, or maybe like added on as a bonus part of learning uh, or like mm -hmm. finance. Finance is a big thing that's kind of been pushing, that's been pushed recently. Um, cool. So resource planning, I mean, uh, resource planning, risk taking, mm. you know, being able to make decisions. I mean. Yeah. Risk taking is a big one. And that's what's awesome about games is you have that environment that's like uh, free to mess up. You don't have to worry about making a mistake because it's a game, right? And that's it's one thing too. with game-based learning, you talk about using serious games where they're almost like simulations of what you might experience in the real world, but it's not the real yeah. world, it's a simulation. It's so. not the real, yeah. Cool, um, I guess, so we're gonna talk about using educational programming in your cafe and you had some questions for me um, the first one, I'm yeah. going to, I'm going to skip the first one cause I want to save it to the end, but do you have any questions or do we okay. have anything to talk about before we jump into, um, maybe we can just tackle those questions, but do you have anything else that you have on your mind as so, far as, so I just wish to have a broad idea. So are you like, a like, are you a full-time teacher and, uh, are you, have you tied up with certain schools wherein, uh, you are using board gaming with education as a separate program or how does it work? Yeah, um, I've done a combination of different things. So I've used a lot of games. Uh, my background is in English language teaching as far as what mm -hmm. topic or subject mm -hmm. I've taught in a formal classroom. Mm -hmm. um, but I've used mm -hmm. like games and after school programs. I've used them as part of tutoring or gamification as part of my tutoring. Um, mm -hmm. Recently, I guess, and this was more along the lines of what we'll talk about, I've been teaching at a high school in their rent enrichment program and the name of a couple of the courses the first one was among us games and human behavior so we looked at psychology and other things that have to do with human behavior like persuasion as well um and then mm -hmm. i ta mm -hmm. taught uh game design in a virtual world so we designed board games remotely which was really cool because everyone was doing that during the pandemic even like million dollar publishing companies that were making board games or trying to figure out ways board to game. to create yeah their game remotely or how you can play it virtually so we were doing that same thing with high school students and it was really cool um mm. and then this past summer i taught i think i don't remember the title of the course <laughs> i think it's just fun with board games we were trying to be because it's a summer course and we have to get students like signed up for it so we tried to make a just a kind of fun title as much as possible and I carried over a lot of the stuff that I used in the spring, um, like mm -hmm. using snake oil for persuasion. Um, yeah, and then other things I've done, like I gamified a semester. I used Sherlock Holmes Consulting Detective to gamify a semester. And we've also developed a gamification toolkit. I think you can see it behind the chessboard there. It's the blue. Yeah. 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 Um, mm. And that's been put on the back burner because it's an in-person toolkit and I haven't really had a lot of time to develop it further over the pandemic. Um, we'll maybe mm -hmm. revisit it like next year, but it's definitely anyone watching or listening, you can definitely reach out to me. We do have, and if you want to take a look, I'll send it over to you too. It's, it's, um, it's usable. Like there's a module in there and there's a lot of tips for 
a teacher that's looking to gamify their semester. Um, and it talks mm -hmm. about different mm -hmm. strategies that are important. And that's something maybe we'll talk about too, is like um, using badges and why you might use a badge in your classroom or earning experience points and why that might be fun to use part of your game cafe. Like students might receive experience points for coming to the cafe and attending a game-based learning lesson. Um, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but I think like with that, you want to be careful because um, this is one mistake I made and it's kind of um, maybe goes into one of your questions that you hadn't asked about challenges. Um, mm -hmm. Like leaderboards are not something you want to really highlight because it's easy for students to be discouraged if they're on the bottom of the leaderboard. Um, true, true. Yeah. And that's something I learned the hard way when we used this in my wife's classroom. Uh, we had one student who just kind of just started giving away his stuff that he was earning in class as a part of the game because he's like, well, I'm all the way at the bottom. Um, here, you can have it. <laughs> so, oh, that's sad. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, he is a high school kid and he was kind of having fun with it. But at the same time, it was not. It, the leaderboard was not doing what we wanted it to do, which was engage Got and it. encourage students to participate. It was kind of having the opposite effect. Um, yeah, but that's kind of my background as far as how I've used game-based learning or gamification. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, what exactly is the key difference? I mean, if, if your experience says that, you know, leaderboard is something which you know, might be tricky. I mean, some it may encourage a few of people, but it may also discourage a lot of the others. So then how do you go about creating this bad system? Yeah, so one thing you can do, and I did this as part of, so a couple things. You can use experience points that are not necessarily a leaderboard, but you group students together. So in my Sherlock Holmes class, I had a uh, groups of detectives. So these detective groups, they mm -hmm. earned, uh, we called it knowledge points instead of experience points. And they could mm -hmm. spend those KP. Have you played Sherlock Holmes Consulting Detective? No. So in the game, you go to different parts of London and you visit those areas and you interview people, you try to gather more clues. So in order for mm -hmm. students to be able to do that in the game, they had to spend their knowledge points. Um, and they would okay. acquire those knowledge points through things like coming to class on time, um, completing their homework. So they weren't um, evaluated based on performance, but just evaluated based on doing something, like completing something. Um, okay. And you can also do something, uh, Brooklyn Game Lab has this cool, I don't know what they call it, but creating guilds or some other form of groups. And as a group, you mm -hmm. earn points. Um, mm -hmm. And you can also do different things like uh, kind of help the groups that are lower down catch up. And that's a common thing that you'll mm -hmm. see in board games too, there are catch up mechanics. I'm trying to think of uh, some catch up mechanics that I've experienced recently. Oh, there is this amazing game, Quacks of Quedlinburg. It has an amazing catch up mechanism. Have you played that game? Yeah, what is the catch up mechanic? I'm, I'm trying to think of what it would be. So, so if you explode, you get to choose between uh, do you want uh, victory points for that round or do you want to spend mm. your money? And then there are these rat tails. I mean, person who is lagging behind in score can use rat tails to start that particular round oh. ahead in their pot. That's right. Yeah, the rat tails. I forgot oh, yeah. about those. Yeah, and I mean, any, most people are familiar with Mario, right? If you're Mario Kart, if you're in last place, you get like a really awesome item to catch up to first place. Um, so thinking about things like that and you, and it's good to plan for stuff like that, but you don't necessarily have to have something there. Huh. Like you can kind of think it up as you go. Um, and that's what a good like go. GM or DM hmm. does is they think of things to help the group, like, you know, perform better or, True. uh, just make hmm. it out in time. Um, hmm. 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 yeah. Um, should we go to these questions or do you have any other? Yes. Okay. So yes, yes. let's go to this question. Yeah. Do you mind, do you want to just choose one and I'll, I'll kind of answer with what I have here. So we it's... want to, uh, we want to keep the first one for the last, correct? Uh, sure. Just not the first question. <laughs> okay. So I think there's so, a lot. Yeah. Let's start with challenges then. 
so describe three of your biggest challenges when you started off and how did you exactly overcome these challenges? Yeah, and this one this one was another hard one for me to answer because I have a bunch of challenges all the time and it's hard for me to think back sure. to what they, what they were at that time. But one that was mm -hmm. big was coming up with a theme for my semester. And this is something you might want to think about applying to your game cafe if you like have a program or even if you just have um, a way to integrate some sort of fun theme as a part of it. And once I thought of the theme, a lot of other things started connecting and clicking. And that theme, like I mentioned, was Sherlock Holmes. And what was really cool is it's perfect for English language because a lot of students are familiar with Sherlock Holmes. They're familiar with that story. They're familiar with that, like, uh, I guess, I don't know, the Sherlock Holmes, like the detective. And so when I mm. came up with that theme, I had ideas like, okay, I can form detective groups. I used Google Classroom and I titled the classroom like London instead of just like English 101 or whatever. Um, I created knowledge points. Um, I had them use the knowledge points to unlock different parts in the game. So once I came up with the theme, I was able to sprinkle in like uh, language that flavored the classroom. Like I mentioned, like London, mm -hmm. um, I would ask them to get into their detective groups in class um, and other ways I can make the theme meaningful. So using knowledge mm -hmm. points like that actually affects part of the class. Um, mm -hmm. So and I mentioned Brooklyn Game Lab, they do something, if I remember correctly, we have an episode with one of the program managers, his name's Wes, but they do something where like guilds, where when students enroll in one of their programs, they get put into a different guild. And I'm not sure mm -hmm. what they title it or whatever, but it's kind of similar to, if you're familiar with Harry Potter and the sorting hat, they put on the hat mm -hmm. and they're signed like Gryffindor, or Ravenclaw, Hufflepuff or whatever. Yeah. Um, so doing <laughs> something like that. And then we talked about the the leaderboards then groups can earn points as a group instead mm. um mm -hmm. yeah that was that was the big challenge and what helped me think of the theme was really just consuming a lot of content related to game-based learning and gamification um yeah so as far as your cafe like what what um would you are you looking for like cohorts of students or are you looking for like one day and you can come any of those days or kind of logistically how are you going to think about setting up the program so uh see right now before uh, let's talk about times before covid so before covid we used to run uh weekend sessions with kids okay. and then uh that was two two and a half our long session wherein uh, you know kids are just coming in and then they are playing normal games like maybe Dr. Eureka, dexterity games or uh, you know quick fun party games sort of mm. things. So that was in the initial days. Then we got uh, affected by the COVID because we all went into lockdown. And now when we are starting again taking uh, weekend batches, so now we have started taking a lot of you know, strategy games with them. Like how I told you that we played Katan this afternoon. And then uh, that the other day we played uh, point salad with them. So, I mean, point salad is not really a very heavy strategy game, but it is not a party game as such. So uh, I want to make a very, you know, structured approach wherein I know that, you know, I mean, I can tell parents that uh, your kids will have to come for, let's say four weekends, and this is a module. These are the, uh, you know, skills that we can, uh, you know, uh, like cover with these, these games. So these are the skill sets which will get improved. So something like that. Okay. I mean, it's a very rough idea because uh, obviously, I mean, these, uh, these uh, sessions is not going to replace their school learning mm. because right now in these sessions the board gaming as such it is not recognized as much and obviously there are certain sets of things that they can only learn in school so this will be just an add-on thing and uh, just to boost up their overall personality okay yeah um so kind of going off of that in um just maybe some suggestions. One thing that would be really cool and would help with kind of communicating to parents as far as what they are 
learning and developing in your whether it's uh just a one day class or they come back several different classes you can create like a punch card um or a skill mm -hmm. a skill card so the punch card is mm -hmm. like maybe you do a um like a, a variety board game punch card so every different game they play they get a stamp or a punch on their card um, and then you can do maybe like a skill punch card and they get a stamp or punch on that skill. Maybe they're working on dexterity or they're working on communication. Um, and you would title that punch card something really fun. Like you could tie it into whatever theme you're doing. Um, and then mm -hmm. that way the parent is like, they see the skill card. Okay, my, my kid went to class or went to your program and they developed this skill today. I mean, they're working towards a mm -hmm. badge. And then when they unlock that badge, maybe you have a spot on your wall in the cafe that's like board game hall wall of fame or something and when they get a badge you mm -hmm. have every student's name and they get their badge next to their name um mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah i know i think i think that would be pretty cool um and then like certificates that's an interesting too idea. Mm -hmm. yeah because and that works really well too because you don't have to worry about students coming in and enrolling in a full program necessarily i mean if, if that's something True. you want to do you could you could do something different with that too, like certificates or something. But it's because mm -hmm. that's that's one thing that I'm worried about when I start doing programs is like, well, what if I don't get a full class for that day, um, but I still have like three students? Well, I have these other things we can do with those three students. Or maybe I don't have right. a parent that wants to commit to a full week of classes. They just want to drop in for a day. Well, they can come in for a Correct. day and and get a card yes, because yeah. what happens i mean even if i know that there are certain kids who would want to complete the entire program but then what if they're not available for one particular uh, weekend so then uh, so the main struggle was that if we are designing let's say a module which uh, which asks them to attend for four weekends what if some of them can't make it for one of the saturdays Mm. So then does the entire batch gets affected or does that student or does that kid has to spend an extra session, whatever. But then this is a cool idea. I mean, having a, a you know, punch in kind of a system, this would yeah. be great. Because yeah. it is very flexible. I mean. It's flexible and it encourages people to engage and come back for the lessons too, which is directly affects your cafe, right? Um, and... Oh, I had another another thing, but I can't remember what I was going to ask. <laughs> Maybe it'll come to me. Um, yeah. Cool. Yeah. Uh, so we kind of got off track, but that's okay. Do you have another question? <laughs> so uh, let's say that, uh, you know, I mean, if you have to, so what happens is, I mean, we know that when we are playing board games and when we are, uh, you know, doing this for a long enough period of time, it brings about certain changes in us and it sort of depths our uh, brain and mind. But then it's very hard to prove it in tangible form or in something that, you know, visibly, which is impactful. So my question to you is, uh, if you have to prove the educational power of a board game to a set of parents who are kind of resistant to this approach, so which games would you start with to, you know, show the immediate visible impact? And then how can we go about it? Yeah, I think um, this is a really good question because it's it's something that I've been trying to do for the past like three years. <laughs> and it's not that parents don't realize it's more of how do we communicate that message clearly and effectively. And especially right. as like a marketing lens through a marketing lens. Like how do I create a video on that someone wants to actually sit down and watch and they realize, Oh, these, these games are actually really helpful for my, for my child or for my students in my class for mm -hmm. engaging my students. And it's worth it to take that extra time to teach the game because of the benefits on or the long-term benefits of it. Um, I kind of put them over here, but I have a couple games that, just a couple lines of games. So Genius Games, are you familiar with Genius Games? Mm. Um, they do. So it's like super clear that this is a game that is has some educational content. I mean, it's about the human okay. cell, the Journal of Science. So they do, they do science and okay. math-based games. So they have Cytosis. They have a okay. bunch. Um, Ion is another one about 
elemental compounds. Um, this one's about the periodic okay. table of elements. Um, okay. Yeah, and mm -hmm. they have another one that I'm really excited about called Outnumbered, and it's superhero-themed, but it's math. It's a mm -hmm. math-based game. Um, mm -hmm. We'll hopefully be getting that soon, too. And then another company, I put it down here, is Capital Gains Studio. They're from Singapore. Mm -hmm. Um, This one... Okay. I think... I, I think this game's really great at teaching the economic cycle. So it, it goes from like growth, stagnation, um, and around. Um, and you can influence the government, talk about, uh, like influence the government on making different decisions. So like creating a recession sooner or getting out of the recession mm -hmm. quicker by maybe adding more money to the economic cycle. Um, and this, as well as Genius Games, has an educational guide included. So it talks about exactly why they included some mechanics and how it relates to real world, um, like real world economics or like the human cell. cell. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. That sounds quite interesting. Yeah. And then the last one, I think maybe you're familiar with Haba Games. Yes. Yeah. And the, mm -hmm. these are easy mm -hmm. for younger kids, especially this. I wish I had a better example, but um, all my Hava games are back at home for pop-ups. Uh, but it, it explicitly tells you what it's good at. So some of the games, they, they have three yeah. points, and one says, like, mm -hmm. color recognition or matching. Um, mm -hmm. One mm -hmm. that's really cool that I'm excited for, but I think they're discontinuing. It's called, like, Rabbit, Rabbit Hop or something. And you have planks of boards, that you have to connect mm -hmm. from one rock to another rock. And what's really cool mm -hmm. for younger kids is they kind of have to gauge how long that board is to connect it to the next rock. Because mm -hmm. if you don't plan it correctly, oh. you have to go back to the start. Um, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think it's a little bit more obvious about games teaching for younger mm -hmm younger players what right? age groups do you uh, cater to i mean because uh, i can see that a lot of these hava games they uh i mean they are for kids who are as young as two years of age correct like two plus yeah so what is your primary age group and bge we do all ages um like from two to adults so we even have some like um i'm trying to think some high level like uh oh man Maybe not. No, yeah. Wait. I can't remember if we ended up adding that game. We do have Anatomy Flux. I know. I'm trying to think of a different game, but I'm not sure. I don't think we put it on our site. We're, we're planning to. Mm -hmm. um, but Anatomy Flux, mm -hmm. it's about the human human anatomy, so the human body. And there's mm -hmm. a lot of like pretty complex medical terms in there. Um, so that's mm -hmm. like you know university students. I think medical students could potentially use it. I mean... It might be a little bit mm -hmm. too easy for some medical students, but mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. and like cytosis is, it's about the human cell. A lot of it's over my head at this point because it's been a long time since I've studied that in science you class. Have it, correct. Yeah, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. which but I guess more like high school level stuff. But yeah, mm -hmm. you know, one of the uh, other challenges, like as we are speaking, that uh, is coming in my head is uh, that when we take up any game which i mean i don't have a big collection of educational games as such but whenever i'm trying to pick up a game which has certain you know such uh, concepts then it gets boring for kids mm. i mean they think of uh, this session to be that okay now i have come here to be away from my studies and then again you are telling me about my uh, you know school concepts so i don't want to listen to you and then they you know they sort of feel key okay now let's play something exciting so how do you cater to this i mean how can we go about it what can be done about this yeah um so i would say a couple things with with these games like genius games specifically they're modeled after other games so um mm -hmm. what's cool about it is like i again i i don't know a lot about the human cell i know a few things and playing the game it refreshed my memory but i can know absolutely nothing about it and still enjoy the game um and actually like mm -hmm. participate in the game i don't have to know the cell it's it's based off of kind of like lords of Waterdeep style game um it's like a worker placement okay. game um, okay. But then also, like, you could look at, it's a little bit more challenging to look at games and pull out other 
things that the game teaches, but there are other games mm -hmm. that do that. Like I mentioned snake oil and persuasion. So um, we mm -hmm. looked at mm -hmm. in my class, we looked at different commercials and how they appeal to like pathos, logos and ethos. So either our emotion, logic or um, our credibility. And then mm -hmm. we played snake oil and in snake oil, you have to convince people to buy your product. So you're given two cards mm -hmm. and you have to convince a customer based on these two random cards. It could be like, uh, I don't know, coffee pen. And you can be like, hey, I know you need a coffee pen because while you write, you also can drink some coffee out of the pen. And it's really great for like staying active and awake while you're writing your diary or whatever. Um, and you're convincing oh, okay. a specific customer. So the customer is like a robot or an alien or a teacher or whatever the customer is. So you have to appeal to that specific customer. Um, so like looking at mm -hmm. what skills those games teach um, is good too. Mm -hmm. Another example, Point Salad, um, Roger, who is really awesome and helps with a lot of our games or science-based games, he talked about Point Salad and kind of told me about it. And you use multiplication and addition um, when you count mm -hmm. points, right? Have you played Point Salad? Correct. Yes, yes, yeah. yes. So like um, you don't know you're doing math and addition or multiplication and addition really until maybe the end, I guess. I have never played yes, it, but... Yes. So kinda... I played it uh, last weekend with uh, my kids oh, like, okay. uh, the, in during our kids session. So, I mean, it was quite interesting. I mean, otherwise, if I tell them that, okay, this game is going to, you know, focus on these, these things, their faces would go like, eh, like, <laughs> you know, but then, you know, there are, there are these simple, interesting games, which actually uh, impart you that, uh, I mean, it teaches you how to do it without even saying it out loud that, okay, I'm going to teach you this. Mm. So those are amazing games. For example, game like Set, uh, it's a classic game, you know, where you have to recognize patterns. But whenever I open that and I ask kids, okay, let's play Set for, let's say, 10, 15 minutes as a break, they are not interested. Mm. They are just not interested. They want something, you know, fun and engaging. Yeah. yeah. And that, I mean, that's another thing too, is like, we're all different game players and not every game is going to appeal to us. Right. And that's one thing I've kind of started to learn now that I've played a lot more games is like, yes, I'll play some of these games just because I want other people to enjoy it and learn about this. But at the same time, I'd much rather be playing this other game. So yeah. True. Yeah. Um, yeah. I've been told about set though, that it's a good one and I, I we need to get that added to our store too. Mm. Oh, another, I mean, another cool game too, also a Singapore company, it's up there, uh, Potato Pirates Enter the Spudnet. So it's, it's a clever, like, like quirky. What is it? Potato Pirates? Potato Pirates. So they have three different games. Um, one is about okay. the internet, I believe is the first one. This one here is the one we okay. have. It's about cybersecurity. And the third one is okay. about, um, Oh, I don't know what the third one is. Just came out. I can't remember. But they're like mm -hmm. cute, just potatoes. Like that's the character in the game. So they're like cute potatoes. They're pirates. Like that's kind of exciting. Um, it's not super explicit what you're learning because in this game, Enter the Spudnet, you're actually pirates trying to export and import dat data, but it's actually like, you know, pirate stuff. But when you pull okay. it out and you look at what's actually going on, they're teaching you about cybersecurity. Um, okay. So yes, yeah, so it's and there's all sorts of games coming up like that. I mean, I I get a lot of emails about different games that are that are out there um, that are being made on Kickstarter. Um, but yeah, I think mm -hmm. I think it's just um, maybe not so much a lack of the games but finding the right ones and true yeah yeah maybe learning what what works with with each student or student group maybe okay yeah um uh, other questions i think i think we are uh, totally off oh. track from the <laughs> list of questions that we made because i mean this the casual flow of conversation i think we both are finding this approach more interesting yeah no yeah that's no, good the questions were good though too because it gives me yeah. some ways to brainstorm and think <laughs> yes 
so is there any basic structure that you keep in mind when you design these uh, game-based learning programs? I mean, yeah. how do you go about it? I think the biggest thing, and we've, we kind of keep talking about this, are the outcomes. What are you trying to accomplish? And that's one thing I asked about mm -hmm. your cafe is like, and you already mentioned, you're using these things as supportive to the learning. It's not replacement of the school. It's like extra stuff. And you also want it to be fun. So mm -hmm. like, I think in that case, the mm -hmm. educational aspect is important, but it's not the pillar of everything, right? The pillar mm -hmm, of everything mm -hmm. is making a fun, engaging program and mm -hmm, mm -hmm. by the wayside students and your the people that come into your cafe are learning something in addition to having mm -hmm. fun and being engaged. Um, mm -hmm. So I also, what did I, I kind of wrote down some notes to answer this question and like providing a safe, engaging space for students to reinforce what they're supposed to be learning at that age. So one thing that's cool mm -hmm. you might look at is like asking schools what it is mm -hmm. they should be learning at that age. Mm -hmm. Because I've taught a lot of different age groups and tutored a lot of different age groups, I'm pretty familiar with where a student should be in math at that age, where a student should be at science mm -hmm. at that age, what they're learning in science mm -hmm. in fifth grade, for example, mm -hmm. um, and kind of pairing mm -hmm. that with it. Um, and I mentioned snake oil. So if you were to, again, the difference between like weekend things that you just have and students can drop in or drop out versus creating an entire like week long program is important too. Um, some things we wanted to do this summer, but we had to kind of wait because we couldn't find a place and we didn't really market as well as I think we could have um, was like Pokemon. So I used Pokemon as an IP to attract mm -hmm. people that are like kids that are really, well, one, parents are familiar with IP and then also kids like Pokemon, right? It's a popular like thing. Mm -hmm. um, and then mm -hmm. targeting five-year-olds to maybe like eight and what mm -hmm. they were going to do in the class is come up with their own Pokemon, create their own Pokemon, write a biography about their Pokemon, where it came from, um, Mm -hmm. details about it describe their pokemon draw their pokemon mm -hmm. and then also learn a bit about the card game so mm -hmm. that was the the program was pokemon themed but they were learning some writing skills some creativity and then a bit about the game as well so like thinking about mm -hmm. a, a week-long program as a whole another one was like 21st century skills and tabletop games so i was using a lot of the things that i used in the high school um mm -hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I think hopefully that helps. Yes, it does. So uh, basically, you try to have uh, one particular strong point as the, uh, you know, uh, like how you would go about uh, like attracting more uh, kids towards it. And then around it, by the side, they're learning different, different things. Right. And having fun. Yeah. And like, with the Pokemon, and we go back to that idea of, well, there's learning here, so I don't want to do it. Well, if I'm writing a story about a Pokemon and a biography about a Pokemon as a kid, I'm going to love doing that, and I'm developing these mm -hmm. writing skills, right? So how do mm -hmm. you engage through, like, intrinsic motivation of kids, too? Like, what are they excited about? Mm -hmm. How do you get them excited where they just don't even think they're learning? <laughs> yes. An interesting game, like uh, as simple as Dixit. I mean, it teaches you so many things. But then, so let's say that, you know, while we are playing Dixit and uh, we know that why we are playing this Dixit, but then let's say if kids are coming up with uh, one word clues, I mean, so how do you motivate them to, you know, be a little more creative and think out of the box for their clues? So do you, do you provide any, like, of some push to them or do you give any incentives to kids who have come up with the most interesting clues or what? Yeah. And this is, this is a great question because I think it can go both ways. And I get this question asked on the other side too, is like, what do you do with students who are misbehaving during a game? Like how do you keep them involved in the game? Well, you can implement some rules in the game that kind of mm -hmm. punish him as a player or her as a player in the game because <laughs> it's still part mm -hmm. of the game. It's not like outside of the game. But then mm -hmm. on the other end with Dixit, what you could do is like everyone votes maybe each round 
as far as like everyone goes around and you kind of vote maybe who had the best clue and mm-hmm. you kind of put it in a hat and then at the end whoever had the best clue gets some bonus points at the end of the game so like implementing different scoring ways that influence the game is cool too um mm-hmm. and it's kind of unique to every game right like i i dick yeah. said i think um oh man i can't think there's another game that i changed the rules of recently but i can't remember what it was i just remember having to do it to motivate students to engage in the was content it trap uh trap words is one yeah definitely done something where uh we did three groups instead of two um mm-hmm. yeah yeah i think uh that was one um yeah okay so i think is there another question maybe we have Maybe just a couple more minutes. We can go to number one if we want to do that one. Yes, let's go to number one. So my question is, if you could start a school completely following a game-based learning approach, then what exactly would it look like? Like, what would be the schedule? What would be the grading model? What would be the task of the teachers or educators? So what is your vision and motto of such school? Yeah, and that's, it's a really tough question i think but um i think i'm sure you would have a dream like this what's that i'm sure you would have uh, imagined a dream (laughs) school like this yeah i would the challenge though is and we talked about this is the system versus what we want to (laughs) do um there is a school and i was trying to find it and there is or was a school that did this. They used, it was like a video game, quote unquote, video game school. Oh. You, you went to school oh. as a video game player or whatever character. Um, I couldn't find the mm-hmm. school because I wanted to read about mm-hmm. it again before this question. But I know like one thing you definitely need is a group of educators who are not only passionate about education, but also about game-based learning and gamification yeah. and learning through play. Like you, it's, mm-hmm. yeah, you need, because you need a... You need like experts in different subject areas, right? Um, I think it would might be, I don't know if I want to say easier, but less specific experts in different subject areas. You would need less of those teachers if you did it for younger ages. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I think um, one thing that is important and I think I would lean into the most is creating a school culture that's part of the game and not so much every lesson but like i had an example like every year you might have a different theme for the school so one year it might be like a superhero theme and mm-hmm. you integrate different ways to make that part of the theme so each class maybe chooses a superhero like uh or creates their own superhero as a class and then one week mm-hmm. or once a month you have a dilemma that needs to be solved in the school or in the city and each class has to come up with a reason why their superhero might be great at solving that dilemma. Um, mm-hmm. So creating that competition of in-group, out-group, and then they're also working collaborati- collaboratively as a class. Mm-hmm. Um, as a class, sure. Yeah. There's also, I have some books. This one, The Multiplayer Classroom. So this is more a book on creating a gamification in a class by Lee Sheldon, okay. The Multiplayer Classroom. It's pretty in depth, and he has mm-hmm. some data and stuff from the classes that he created. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I think I think the the culture in the the school as a whole would be fun. But then creating game based lessons, I don't think it. I don't know if it would be part of every single thing you do. But I also have a mm-hmm. dream of having every teacher having a staple game based lesson that they have a part of their quarter or their semester. Like something they do yeah, every yeah, year sure. um that, mm-hmm. and it, i think it's fun too because you think about and i talk to a lot of teachers a lot of people they remember those things about their teachers they're like oh i remember my one teacher who did a mock election that year and we played kind of a game where we were electing a president and or mm-hmm. like for my example i remember the stock market game that i played back in like fifth mm-hmm. grade and i had to choose a stock and then we played like uh kind of a game where we track that stock throughout the the semester semester yeah yeah that sounds so much fun that yeah sounds so much fun. yeah yeah i wish that this comes true someday yeah i mean i hope so and like i mentioned i'm excited i'm 
excited to hear about some updates with your cafe and hopefully when we have our brick and mortar we can kind of share some ideas that we've been able to do oh as yeah well. sure yes yes i'm so excited awesome well thank you again and then maybe before we go if anybody's curious and they want to follow i know i've seen some really cool posts on your instagram um if they want to like reach out to you or keep track of your cafe how can they do that so they can follow us on uh, instagram uh, kingdom of board games uh, we are trying to i mean we are uh, putting things together to soon start our youtube channel okay. wherein we are planning to put in uh, you know more content about how to play and you know our experiences some playthroughs and things like that so those things are under pipeline so they can follow us there awesome. as well cool yeah and that's that's really cool we need more content to share the the hobby of board games so that's really exciting this community is amazing i mean this has the this has been the best thing that has happened to me i mean uh, finding my passion about board games because this is the best community i have ever you know i have ever come across everyone is so passionate about what they are doing and you know i mean uh, they have so many varied experiences and you know i mean it's so much fun. I mean, there is so much of positivity around here. So it's amazing. Yeah. And maybe one more thing before we go, how did you get into the board game hobby? Oh, so, uh, we had played the basic games, right? So one evening it was a family get together and, uh, we were playing a simple game like dictionary and mm. we lost track of time. And then from there, the idea came, oh, it would be such a wonderful thing if, you know, we have a place wherein we can just sit and play games. Then uh, during the same year, I visited US. And that time I came to know the board gaming world is huge. There are <laughs> yeah. so many titles. I never knew that. So, I mean, we started with code names, then we went to Dixit. So these are our, uh, our early days games. So, I mean, the kind of entertainment that we got out of uh, those games and how we just forgot about everything. And especially we didn't touch our mobiles for hours together. Mm, yeah. That was amazing. Yeah. So I think from there on, I have never looked back. I mean. Yeah. And that's. Just <laughs> a, yeah, that's awesome. I think that I think board games are the only time that I, I'm able to put away my phone for good and like not look at it. <laughs> it's I don't know. I'm always checking emails and all yeah. everything, social media and stuff. So awesome. Well, thank you so much, Prisha. We'll keep in touch and again, follow thank Kingdom you, of Board Dustin. Games to, to stay up to date on the Board Game Cafe. Thank you, Dustin, for your time. Thank you so much. Your experiences, I'm sure that they are going to help us a lot. Thank you. Yeah, awesome. Thank you. Thank you for listening in this week. If you liked what you heard, be sure to let us know. You can find us on social media as Board Gaming with Education or BGE Games, or email us at podcast at boardgamingwitheducation.com. If you want to support our podcast, be sure to check out our support page on our website. As always, teach better, learn more, and most importantly, play more. Thank you for listening, and until next time.